0: So. Well, there's a beer in my friend. Do you want a virtual beer? <laughs> <laughs> Is it import? <laughs> uh, no, it's Canadian. Yeah, no.
1: <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's not that
2: highbrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter Banter. I am Rob Minot, and today, as usual, I am joined by the handsome Ryan Fleury. I'm handsome. And once again, there's an empty seat in the guitar dungeon. No, Steve Barkley this week. I'm afraid he is. What is he still out fishing? Is he well, fishing? Well,
0: supposedly he's fishing. He could be six feet under. We don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. So he <laughs> could, maybe he's fishing, could be dead. We, we don't, don't know. know. Haven't heard from him. But he, whatever it is, he's not here this week. That's right. But the good news is that in his stead, we have a special co host with us today.
0: Woohoo! Ryan, I'm going to let you do the introduction. All right. Well, I'm probably going to mess up his last name, but with us today is Nelson Rego from the Cool Blind Tech Podcast.
3: Woo! No, that's perfect. That, that is my last name, and, and um, it sounds like Steve is on vacation, and uh, technically I'm on vacation, but I'm
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah. Thank
3: you for inviting me.
1: Yeah, Steve has a lot to learn about work (laughs) ethic.
3: Podcasting is a vacation. Yeah, that's
1: right. Now, uh, Cool Blind Tech, awesome podcast, incidentally. Love it. Yes, sir. Um, And you guys are just celebrating your millionth download.
3: Uh, yes, uh, we just recently celebrated our, our millionth download and um, we had some amazing people from the, the past and present that we brought on uh, the person that inspired me for for the website we we brought uh, Larry Kuotcon on from originally from Blind Cool Tech, who's now with uh, APH uh, who's been with them for some years but uh, it was just uh, it was just such an honor to have him on and we had some wonderful people over the years and it was great uh, having some of those people on so it's it's an honor to have so many listeners out there and, and um it's very humbling. And I I must thank uh, you guys for for sending us uh, congratulations as well. So that's that's cool to have fellow podcasters just kind of a um could kind of pat each other on the back.
1: Yeah, we exactly. We got to we got to do it cuz no one else is going <laughs> to. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: But that was it was cool. We had we had fun. So um, it was great. Uh, yeah. if, if we to have more seats, we probably would have brought you guys in there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, now you're the one, you're the person responsible for the podcast. You, you started it up, correct?
3: Yes. Uh, originally we, we started out uh, with a friend of mine from Australia, uh, Garth Humphreys. Uh, he had already been doing podcasts and I had no idea about, uh, uh, websites and web hosting. And, uh, he kind of helped me along the way and, and, uh, you know, through a lot of uh, bumps and scrapes and learning the the hard way, uh, we finally figured out how to make uh, a website work uh, for the blind and low vision. Right. And um, yeah, it was it was both of us. So we started out, and then we kind of branched off from there because it just it was just a couple of guys just wanted to talk about uh, technology, blindness related technology, and it just kind of spiraled from there. We're we're now an official nonprofit organization. Wow, really? Yeah, and uh, we're we we bring some of the, the The most uh, well-known people from around the world uh, that deal with any sort of uh, accessibility in regards to uh, blindness and low vision. So uh, it's been an incredible uh, evolution these past four years, uh, going from just two guys starting out a podcast to an actual uh, company um, where we have uh, three weekly shows. And um, it, it's just it's just been phenomenal. All right,
0: well awesome. we're we're throwing in the towel.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Are> You're kidding! <laughs> Come on, Ryan. We're only we're in year one. Yeah, and I had the passion for it, and and, and to try to find like-minded people uh, that had the passion for it, and it's just just no uh, no looking back. It's just uh, an incredible journey. And who knows what the next four years is going to bring? Who knows where you'll be there? Oh, I, I have no idea. I have no idea just uh, I'm just shocked that we're at this level where we're talking with uh, people like Jenny LaFleurie and, and um, oh. uh, our presidents executives all these corporations from around the world that are making accessibility happen for all of us and it, it's just uh, it's very uh, inspiring and um, we, we bring them on a show called uh, Spotlight uh, we had uh, James and Jessica usually do those uh, shows and uh, it's just amazing hearing what people have to say and um and just hearing their point of view as far as accessibility and what they're doing it to make it work for us. Um, so just it's a it's an amazing experience to interact with these people because we'd never interact with them otherwise.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's funny too. I mean, our experience in starting up the podcast early on, when we when we first re- started reaching out uh, for guests. You know, our initial thoughts, I guess, were, well, it's going to be really hard to find guests because you're going to ask people and they're just, they're not going to be interested in us. We're like little, little fish on the pond. No one's, no one's heard of us. But funnily enough, when you have a podcast and you have microphones and you, you throw, you know, digital files on, onto websites, people like hearing themselves on these shows. And so we've never had real, a real problem finding people who are willing to come on
3: it's funny because I actually don't like hearing myself. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is actually the the first podcast I've ever done outside of CBT. Oh, is that right? We're yeah, honored.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: So it's a, a thank you for extending the uh, the invitation, and uh, it's a, this is an uncomfortable situation for me because usually I'm <laughs> on the on the, uh, the guy in the background, kind of taking care of the edits and taking care of the uh, administrative stuff, the logistical stuff, and um, but uh, yeah, it's I, I've been doing it for a number of years on the show, so it's it's nice to uh, uh, to talk to great people like you guys uh, about uh, all this sort of thing.
1: Well, you know, we're, we're a very relaxed podcast, so you put your feet up, have a beer.
3: Oh, you guys didn't tell me about a beer. I brought water. <laughs> oh, grab,
0: got beer, tequila, scotch, whatever, so whatever your, your fancy is.
3: And that uh, and that beer opener. <laughs> I'll
1: take that. Uh, with without any more ado, or wait, no, without further ado. What's ado? You know, I was just going to ask that. I don't know what a do is because there's much ado about nothing. Yep. Uh,
0: and then without and the, further ado,
1: well, we might have to look that up. We'll have to Google that later. Or somebody can write in. Write in and tell us what a do is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. We need to know. We do. Uh, Ryan, what are we doing today? Um, today we are talking about news.
1: That's right. Well, and news, and whatever the heck else struck us this week that uh, is going on in the accessibility community. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about this glasshouse uh, assistive device. First of all, I have to say I'm really not sure how to say this because uh, it's it it's really awkward. Is it glasshouse? I mean, I know it's it's a cross between glasses and mouse. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it does not roll off the tongue. Glassos. I, see, I, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a play on glasses, where you're supposed to say it really quick and say glassos. can do with a German accent. Glassos. Yeah, exactly. It does. Glassos. Or if it's supposed to be glass house. I, like, I don't know. It's, in any case. What is it? Well, you, it, it's basically, it's a physical access aid. And you're familiar with, I'm sure, Ryan, uh, with head pointing systems and eye gaze systems, mm-hmm. having worked at Aroga for 15 years. So it's basically, it's a, it's a mousing alternative for people who are, have um, physical limitations, who aren't able to use, say, their hands for whatever reason to use a conventional mouse. Um, this is a device, it looks like a pair of glasses, except it has a arm on it with a, a bite switch Sort of It sort of looks like a, um, a headset mic. And along the top of the, the frame of the glasses is the movement sensor. Uh, it's Bluetooth-enabled. so um, And with it, the movement sensor can sense head movement and will move a cursor on the device. And then with the byte switch, you're able to emulate a left mouse click. Essentially, it's... Uh, it's, it's very much like a, a quick, uh, like a, uh, an eye gaze system or a, a head moving system, except the benefit of this thing is that, well, for one, it's Bluetooth enabled. Um, and the nice thing about that is that once it's connected to any given device, whether it be a smartphone or a computer or a laptop, uh, you it, it'll seamlessly switch between devices. The nice thing about this is that it's, it doesn't require any sort of an on-screen keyboard. Um, and so for those people who aren't familiar with this, we generally with, with, a, with a system like a, a head movement system or a head tracking system or, a, or a, an eye gaze system, you're essentially, you've, you, the system is, is tracking either eye movement or say a head movement. And the way that people are able to input is through an on-screen keyboard that sits as an overlay on the screen and so you would move the move the cursor with say your eyes and you would hover over a letter that you wanted to type and then you'd have to dwell on it which you'd you'd have to sort of let, let it let it sit there for 1 to 2 seconds before it registered as a keystroke and then you'd move your eyes again and you'd you you know type out what you wanted the, the downside to those type of systems, of course, is that because it's a dwell system, it takes a lot longer to type something because you have that pause over every letter. With these, with the bite click, you're it's a lot quicker. So you're able to just bite and, and register the keystroke really fast and move to the next letter. So there's that
0: benefit too. One of the questions I had is, if yes. you have physical mobility issues, how do you put the glasses on? Shut up, Ryan. You <laughs> <laughs> can't use your hands. How do you put the glasses
3: on?
1: That
3: is well, a valid point.
1: That's well, somewhat of a valid point. Um, <laughs> whether you have, you know, you whatever the caretaker will do it, or or a lot of, I mean, these are very useful for, for someone who say isn't absolutely limited, like not a quadriplegic, yeah. but somebody who has say ALS and they have tremors,
0: or has a cariater, or...
1: right. The, the, the big downside to this is the fact that there is no way at, at the current time anyways to right click. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do about that because that is, that's pretty limiting when you think about it. Like, I don't know. It would almost be like using a Mac. Ugh. Oh, Nelson's a Mac user. Don't uh-oh, go there.
3: <laughs> you know what What they could do is, is uh, separate the by click to, uh, to the left and the right side of the mouth. That's true, that's that is possible.
1: Or, or even just yeah, half that half the um, the sensor could be keyed to left and half to right. Yeah.
3: yeah, as, as long as they have the normal function of their jaws, you you can sort of pressure one side or the other. I just bit my finger. that's how I know.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, or the other thing that they could possibly do was was make sort of a dwell system on the on the click. So for example, if you bit down, it's a left click, but if you bite down and hold it for say, two seconds it, it registers as a right click I, I don't know maybe maybe there's something they could do in that in that realm but the other it seems
3: seems like a minor thing a minor obstacle I, I think that that could that could easily be solved
1: I, I would think so um yeah. and I mean I think that it's probably I mean it's probably so liberating for these people not to have to to use a dwell system because it's got to be so slow to be able to move the cursor to one letter sit let it sit for two seconds Register it. Move to the next letter. I mean, this has got to feel like you're, you know, you're typing 60 words a minute after after having to, to input
0: like that. It was kind of like the old days when we were doing T9 texting on Nokia phones and stuff where you had to, oh. you know, you couldn't just touch type. You actually had to press the number two, three times to get the letter C and, you know, the letter three, two times to get the letter E. Like that was so time consuming. That was
1: a nightmare. I don't know why anybody bothered texting with those things. <laughs> Those were terrible. Um, the other big downside with this, too, is, as Ryan said, uh, at the current time, it does not support iOS or Mac. So that seems a little limiting to me as well.
0: But, uh, Nelson, correct me if I'm wrong. Macs have never had a right-click, have they?
3: Um, I've never used their, their mouse, but they have an unusual I don't um, think they. I think you're right, Ryan. I don't think they have from apple yeah it's it's um
0: i think steve jobs didn't believe in a right mouse click
3: no because because he had this thing with microsoft so like uh, the interface was always on one side and microsoft's interface was on the other side it, it was just like they, they were just major rivals with each other so mm-hmm. um I, I personally don't use a mouse uh for obvious reasons but uh um i think mac has like it's uh they have integrated systems uh, with other companies that allow you to do that. So, okay.
2: Uh,
3: yeah, but it, it might not work for this one, but, uh, you know, I mean, you can put Windows on a Mac. Right. So it's, you know, technically you can put it on Mac. You just can't put it on the, uh, the operating system.
0: Right. So if you want to use it, you could get Boot Camp or Parallels and you're off and running.
3: Right. Yeah, but it is cool because I guess the whole idea was to actually make it faster, and, and I think yes. that's and they've reached that objective.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and a lot easier, too. With it, with it being Bluetooth-enabled, um, you know, it's a lot easier. Once, cause once you pair it with something, it's, it's just there all the time. Um, yeah. Like, I love Bluetooth. It used to be a nightmare. I remember the days when you'd, you'd cringe whenever you saw Bluetooth,
0: but, boy, have they worked out the bugs on, on Bluetooth technology now. Oh, it's getting faster and faster, and the range is getting longer and longer, and yeah, yeah. So it's a handy
1: little device, especially for about four hundred bucks U.S. Uh, This is probably going to be a a really, a really important device uh, for people with, uh, with some physical access um, issues.
3: And that does not sound expensive. I'm not familiar with the dwell system, but uh,
1: yeah, no, not at all. I mean, because
3: the the on the
1: on-screen keyboards themselves were, I think up in that range and that's not even including you know the the eye gaze and the the head tracking systems were oh geez thousands of dollars yeah the
0: eye gaze and the headmost extremes yeah they weren't cheap
1: Nope. no so yeah it's it's probably a a very you know a very handy low-cost uh solution for a lot of people so uh we'll of course link to that in the show notes for anyone who is interested in that next next Hey, let's talk about that's an encephalophone.
0: <laughs> what? I just had a song to my mind. And I, I stopped. know what song. Yeah, yeah good so job. So I stopped. I know. Oh,
1: boy. I want to talk about you and me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great ones. Think alike. Fools <laughs> seldom differ.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, no, let's talk about the
0: encephalophone. Encephalophone this sounds like a cool. disease.
1: It, well, it's, yeah,
0: it's not. <laughs> I know, I read the notes. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> yes, sounds like you, something you catch on a Saturday night. <laughs> when you're talking about. No, it's
2: just the hobby All right.
1: No, th- I thought this was really interesting. Uh, so did I. The name of the article is, a newly developed hands-free musical instrument now allows people to make music with their minds.
0: This is just mind-blowing. You know, last year we had an episode we did on brain-computer interfaces, and this is kind of taking it to a next level.
1: Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's right up that alley. Okay, so basically, the Encephalophone, it was developed by a fellow by the name of Thomas Duell, Am I pronouncing that right? Dual. I think so. Uh, which, incidentally, Ryan, side note, hmm. we need to try to get this guy on
0: Okay. to talk about this thing. It's, it's really cool. Well, you know, the way things are going, cool. Blind Tech will probably have one on next week. So. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nelson's
1: writing all this down as we talk. I'm interesting. Oh, you yeah, guys already did yeah. it for me. <laughs> <laughs> No, so this fellow named Thomas Duhl has, has developed this device. It's essentially, a, as you, as you said, a brain-computer interface. So it collects brain signals through a cap that then transforms those signals into musical notes. It's coupled with a synthesizer, and then it allows the user to actually create music uh, with a variety of instrumental sounds. So piano, trumpet, whatever, whatever they decide to, to do. It's, it's actually really interesting how it actually works because it actually tracks activity through the, the motor cortex part of the brain. If you think of moving your arm, it's it's a, that type of activity that it it tracks, that it registers, that it then translates into musical notes. I don't know. It's a bit hard to wrap your mind around exactly how it works without getting really heavy into it. Um, and it obviously it, it's demands a lot of training and a lot of practice to use. I've actually watched a couple of videos with with people using it and um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool and it's it's very reminiscent of our brains episode where we talked about um, like stuff like the emotive headset,
0: right, and the Muse and other headsets like that. That's
1: right. That's right. That's um, that are able to sort of to track brain waves and you're able to train the device to do certain actions when certain
0: types of brain waves are are registered how responsive was it the encephalophone it seemed to be f- fairly responsive okay so you've got a, you're wearing a cap with sensors on it that are tied to this box that are connected to your synthesizer so you do you still have to like you say raise your arm in order to do different things no, or no, is you, it don't just... to,
1: no you don't have to actually raise your arm but okay. you have to think about raising your
0: arm oh, okay and that does a certain action if you raise your right arm, or you think about raising your right arm, that does a different action.
1: I, I'm assuming so. Okay. I'm assuming that different different parts yeah. of your body and thinking about moving different parts of your body is how they key that into different notes right. or different pitches. Um, they also said that they can also tie it to the visual cortex, so that you can control the the notes through things like um, blinking your eyes. Hmm. So they could, the neat part about this is, is that they can key it to different parts of the brain. Well, and we've
0: done episodes on music therapy as well on the podcast. And just the power music has to help people emotionally, psychologically. Um, this just opens another door to them. So it's exciting.
1: Oh, it is exciting. You know, there's a there's a video floating around with this guy and, and the encephalophone um, online. And it talks about a woman who actually came down with encephalitis. I think I'm pronouncing that right. What is that? Uh, it's like an infection of your brain. And okay. I, think, I believe your brain swells a bit. And so as a result, her, the, there was a, a very specific part of her brain that was damaged that has to do with, uh, with her ability to produce pitch. So she was a, apparently she was an avid musician. She was, a, she was a big singer before she came down with it. And then after, she couldn't sing. She couldn't, she couldn't find the right pitches to sing because, because that part of her brain was damaged. She's been using her motor cortex to um, pitch, to, to, to produce pitch through the encephalophone in hopes that it can retrain her brain to be able to actually produce pitch herself. Because it's tied to the motor cortex, they could actually use it as a, a physical therapy device as well with people who have had, who have had say injuries on their say arms and are in physical therapy with it. If they're practicing using the acephalophone by practicing thinking about moving their arm, they can tie that into the actual physical therapy. But uh, yeah, we should definitely think about having this guy on because it's, it's a fascinating device. I mean, I don't think it's going to set the world on fire and I don't think we're going to, you know, you're not going to see a symphony orchestra with people wearing these funny hats
0: you never know nowadays what you're going to find
2: online. Well,
3: yeah, that's true. Um, I, I was just thinking about the implications for it, um, for people that are paralyzed and quadriplegic. Yeah. That if, if you can control um, just w- what this feature does, I mean, obviously it, it gives the, um, uh, for as far as eye movement, as far as that, that functionality, it seems to be more accurate with that. But uh, yeah. if you can tell your left arm, right arm, and sort of, uh, just imagine that or think it, uh, imagine if they tie that into an, an exoskeleton. That's right. Uh, where you can just tell this exoskeleton to stand up, to walk, to, to grab something. So, uh, I was, I was just, uh, that, that just kind of popped in my mind there, uh, when yeah, you guys were talking about that.
1: Yeah, there's, well, there's, there is huge potential, um, you know, especially especially when you really get deep into some of the the brain computer interfaces that they're working, where they've actually like plugged into somebody's motor cortex in order to power, say, a a robotic arm. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Or or uh, drive a mouse cursor by just thinking of thinking about moving it across the screen. Um, it, you know, it's all just they're they're all signals and. Brain signals can be interpreted th- with, you know, with the right type of computer and powerful enough computer so that you can translate thought into actual movement in the real world through um, robotics. And so, yeah, I'm 10, 20 years. Who knows? Uh, we may we may actually see cyborgs. Cool. I'm in. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Give me driverless cars and
0: cyborgs. Oh, let's wait on the driverless car thing. Come on. <laughs> well, let's talk,
1: let's talk about driverless cars then. Fire away. Well, there, I came across this interesting article this week, and it was basically saying, you know, what's taking driverless cars so long to, to show up? And it was kind of a fascinating read because it, it brought up a lot, of, a lot of things that I hadn't thought of. Um, you know, we've, we've heard a lot about driverless cars over the past, you know, few months. And people are, are, you know, very excited about it, you know, especially in the in the accessibility community. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys, you know, as as visually impaired people, the idea of a driverless car is awesome, right?
0: It was until I read the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <so> on
1: <long> board. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it has a lot of a lot of implications that I don't think a lot of people have thought of. Or maybe it's just me.
0: I didn't think about them until you know you had mentioned them.
1: Well, yeah, I guess we'll, we should dive into those. Yep. So they say that uh, in the in the article, it's it's interesting because they say that the the actual technology isn't what is going to slow down the advent of the driverless car. It's actually going to be societal friction. Um, it it's gonna in order for driverless cars to really be ingrained. In our society, uh, there's going to there's gonna be a lot of changes. Um, not the least of which a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Um, if you think about bus drivers, you think about taxi drivers, you think about...
0: Delivery trucks.
1: Yes. All, you know, truck drivers. Um, all these people, you know, are poised to be out of work if all of a sudden, um, you know, just driverless cars are everywhere. The other thing, of course, the other big concern is... Um, how, how forgiving are people going to be if the driverless car gets into an accident? The first time a driverless car, you know, there's a fatality with a driverless car. People are going to hold that much more accountable than, than we do human error. I mean, people are, you know, people get in accidents every day all around us and no one blinks an eye, but the first time an an AI does it, uh, it's, it's going to create waves. And that's not even talking about the whole morality part of it, which I find this is the stuff that this it's is where this is where I find it. It's fascinating. So there's a lot of work being done on uh, moral decisions that a, a driverless car is going to have to make when faced with an accident. And you know MIT is working on what they call it the moral machine. They're working on you know some AI parameters around this stuff. And the common example that they use is the driverless car is driving down the road and it's. Going too fast to stop, and th- it's coming up to a crosswalk, and there's you know some school children in the crosswalk, and the only the only two choices that it has is it drives through the children, killing them, or it drives itself into a pole and it kills the passenger. What does it do? Um, <laughs> and it, it's it's not an easy answer.
0: Um, well, yes, it is. What did James Kirk do in the no-win situation? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh,
1: what did he? He. Uh, what did he do? He blew up I the ship. No, he? I don't, no, I don't think he, he blew re- up the ship because no, re- it was re- a no-win re- scenario. Dude, don't get me, Don't get my nerd on.
3: It was no-win scenario. So, so what would you guys do if, if it was up to you? If you could pre-program these cars to fit your profile, let's say they had a wizard, and they said, "Like, well, these are the these are the things that I would do if I was in that situation. Uh, what would you guys do?" That's a tough call, you know, to have
0: a vehicle make all the decisions for you with no chance of override is a scary thought.
1: Well, I don't think it would ever come to that because I like I do think that there will be there will be overrides built into these things. I mean, they they just have to. There's no way that. Well, did you get the email I sent you on the different levels of cars? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's true. That's a level five. That's is total autonomy. Total autonomy. Okay. Yeah. But even then, like I can't see them not having some sort of an override. But what does a blind person do? How is he going to override that? Well, and that's it. Okay. But, <laughs> but that's it. But okay. Wait, hold on. We have to answer Nelson's question. All right. He actually skirted around it, you guys. All right.
0: Kill the kids. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Somebody can
2: have more.
0: It's fun making more. That's right. The world's overpopulated already.
1: Uh, no, that's... <laughs> You know, of course. I mean, uh, how do you decide? Like I, I, the way I think I, I sort of frame this is that I, I would put it in conventional terms. If if you were just driving a car and you were faced with that, with that scenario, I think that it's just instinctual. Like you just you'd swerve, you'd yes, swerve you swerve to miss, and you would run yourself into a pole. I mean, right, and take I, that chance. And, and I think that's the human thing to do. I think that's probably what everybody would do when they're, you know, when they're when they're faced with it without even really thinking about it. It's that lizard part of our brains that just... You but will you be able to control it if a car is coming from Ford? Now, if I'm filling out a form that's asking me, like a, if I'm filling out a wizard on a car, I'm, my answer might be different. If I have some time to think about it, would be like, well... I mean, I, I did spend a lot on this car. I kind of want it to look out for me. <laughs> I mean,
3: uh, I You're don't know. A lot of it's going to come down to, to uh, risk management because uh, obviously there's going to be insurance companies involved, mm-hmm. and, right? Uh, if uh, if this vehicle is responsible for for the entire actions of its movement and how it stops, then it almost takes the onus off of the person in the vehicle, That's as a good just point. from being a driver to a passenger, right?
1: That's a good point. Yeah, that's right. And car like and see and that therein in July, you know, lies another even another issue because does that mean car companies are actually gonna be on the hook? Like the, the programmers who've programmed the AI, all of a sudden it's their AI. Like they are, are they gonna be on the hook for for an accident? Um,
0: well and then, and can they be hacked? You know, some of the cars that have LG or LTE Wi Fi in them have been hacked. Well, so will an autonomous vehicle be able to be hacked
1: and that therein lies the other problem that that for that uh, fortune was talking about which is the fact that the these could be hacked you, you would have to have such an incredible incredibly secure uh, system that could not possibly be hacked otherwise you know you you can have mass chaos
3: mm-hmm and you know, they're they are going to have a back door because, uh, obviously, <laughs> law enforcement is going to want uh, records to, uh, of the wow. what uh, these vehicles do. Because if you know, let's say if it's a stolen vehicle, that's yeah. and, so uh, true, they could just uh hit a button and then just the vehicle just pulls over.
1: Yeah, that's actually that's, that's brilliant.
3: Yeah, that's you're you're absolutely right. Wow, that's why yeah, we have so him on the show. Wow, that would be there, that would be really there incredible, are so, too. There's so many things that you can think of, but uh. I think the thing with this is that uh, the first thing that people have is fear when it comes to something like this. Because like you said, they might lose jobs. Uh, what, what if what if the vehicles hit those children and you never wanted that to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So th- there's just so many fears. But uh, uh, the only way we're going to find out is is when you actually test the technology to see, you know, in obviously in controlled environments. And then when it gets finally put out there, I think overall, I think it's going to dramatically drop down as far as the death rate, uh, the disability rate. Because, yeah. You know, people get a lot of disabilities just from the car so Yeah, People are surviving these car crashes more and more.
1: Well, um, and, I, and I think that the real benefit to this is that, you know, and especially when we're talking about accidents like this, I think that with driverless cars... You're just the cars aren't going to be put into that situation because the car itself isn't going to allow itself to be put into a no win scenario. So, you know, for example, for the crosswalk example, well, the car is never going to be going 60 miles an hour in a school zone to be put in that situation in the first place. Whereas, you know, a human would.
0: But, you know, again, there's, there's so many different protocols out there. You know, they have to be able to talk to each other. And what if, you know, your left rear bumper sensor has failed? Now you're not detecting any objects behind you as the car is backing up on your left, you know? Yeah.
3: And whose fault is that? What if it's out of warranty and it's, it's something you're responsible for? So that's another thing you got to think of. Um, you know, at some point the vehicle's got to age and these sensors, there's so many components involved with them. And everybody knows that the more tech you put into something, the higher the failure rate is going to be. So... There's just so many, uh, so many possibilities and uh, one scenario I'm thinking of um, I don't know if you guys recall, but uh, the, the recent Governor general in Canada, uh, a few years back she actually hit a um, uh, a blind woman crossing the street. Ultimately, uh, um, you know she uh, there was no blame to her. I, she's a former astronaut right uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember her name. Julie payette. Yes. Yes. Julie Payette. And, um, so they, uh, they had the police there and I think at some point she got charged, but, uh, when they had, when they went through all the witnesses and, and they saw like all the the situation that she was in, obviously the person was not able to see the person was apparently looking down and just apparently out of nowhere because the person crossed a, uh, a green light. Um, you know, she unfortunately, uh, uh died, uh, but, uh, you know, well, what happens if like someone just like a ball goes across the street and right. physically the car is not able to stop because of the inertia of the, of the movement of the car and then a child is chasing uh, after that ball. So right. it's just uh, there's, there's going to be unavoidable instances regardless. But I think overall, I think there is going to be because there's such a huge number of accidents. It, there's a huge uh, death rate as far as it, when it comes to ag- car accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think overall, it's, it's going to be beneficial.
0: Okay. Yeah, computers yeah. can definitely react a lot faster than people can, so it it will definitely reduce fatalities
3: anyway. And I used to drive. I I I, I used yep. to see what people do in cars. Like people would <laughs> put on makeup, uh, like shave yep, shave sure. their beard and and just eat eat a sandwich. They they would hook their uh their arms <laughs> through uh and drive with their elbows as yeah. like they're, oh, yeah. they're texting with their, their their phone in their hands. <laughs> it's just Yeah. The, just just the weirdest things people can do in the car. Very true. Yeah, Mm
1: -hmm. it's, it's, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that is, this is going to be nothing but beneficial, but it's, it's just, you know, there's all these factors that, that, and, and social acceptance. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of things that people are going to have to accept in order for this to really become ingrained in, in the society. And, uh, you know, even just talking amongst ourselves, we're thinking up more and more things that it's like, well, how is that going to work? What if this happens? Um, you know, but I'm excited. Like, I think this is awesome. Yeah.
3: Oh, I would love I the independence. A, I think as a blind person, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I think a lot of blind people out there, that, that has been our, the, the biggest obstacle I think is for, for blind people is independent travel. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, And, and I really miss it. Uh, I mean, I, I have driven a car since I've lost my eyesight, but I mean, I had a navigator. Uh, it is a, is a, an amazing feeling, but um, it, it'd be nice just to go into a car and just, at any time, kind of just go wherever you want to, because you really can't do that right now unless you, you know, maybe get an Uber or something. Right, uh, which but we can't you get know, here. the handy services or the accessibility car ride services, like, they have limitations. Yeah.
1: Well, and the funny part, too, is that all the entertainment companies are are loving it, too, loving the idea because, you know, Netflix would love to be able to load Netflix into every single, you know, uh, autonomous car and so you could sit and watch, you know, House of Cards on your way to work every day.
3: I don't know. I like uh, w- when I used to see if I'm not looking at the road or um, like I, when I when I was on limb limo and I was like looking backwards, like I get kind of nauseous <laughs> <I'm> not, um, <laughs> right. looking out the, the windshield. Um, so it, I guess it'd be different for different people, but uh, I'm not sure if I could actually like watch TV while I'm in the car, or uh, you know, kind of like sit in an office or. Maybe if they had like a little bed in there and take a little uh, nap, uh, <laughs> that would wait. be. I, I would love a. Uh, I would love a cot,
1: but I mean, I actually saw like a picture of like a, an artist's conception of of something that could be like a commuter, a computer, uh, sorry, a commuter car, but it was basically looked like a big shoebox, you know, with um, on wheels, with with glass, like basically glass completely around it. So yeah. that you can please see, it. and there's like you know a chair and some desks and <laughs> stuff, and you could no, you could just real. sit and it's, work. It's, and it's
3: yeah. it's it's, it's, a, it's a you can do that right now. IBM is is building a, a vehicle for um I'm not sure if you're, you guys are familiar, but uh, they're building this uh, a bus out of a I guess the world's largest 3D printer.
1: <laughs> really, and,
3: and uh, it's meant for the blind. So when you step into the bus, uh, you'll interact with um, uh, um, a voice interaction and then basically it it goes like it's it's roots that it's supposed to go on but uh it's it's a fully autonomous vehicle and it's it's made out of a 3d printer and it's built for accessibility and it's it's a huge bus (laughs) wow yeah so you can imagine like customizing the inside no kidding (laughs) party bus Well,
0: all we well, can say is we're still a ways off. Insurance companies, government agencies still have to figure all this out.
1: You know, they, they say that, that the technology, like I said, the technology will probably be there soon, but we're probably still a good decade out from these things taking any sort of a hold yet.
3: Well, Telstil is, is doing something right now. They're they're mm-hmm. trying to do a, a cross-country uh, drive. Um, many companies are looking to implement this technology, 2018. Yep. Uh, up to as far as like maybe 2020, 25. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to see this pretty quick. Um, it, it's just, it's going to be probably in certain states, certain countries. But uh, it'll be, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who adopts it first. I'm betting California. Um, California, maybe Arizona. I know Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania is doing some things. Um, uh, I believe uh, Ontario is doing something. Well Alberta really needs to jump on board because
1: Alberta it's n- nothing but straight road, straight, flat road for miles and miles or even
3: Saskatchewan yeah, <laughs> that's even more flat. <laughs> so you just uh, you can drive through Saskatchewan and not realize like what what you passed. yeah, oh <laughs> for
1: sure. yeah, S- Saskatchewan, you can you can actually take your hands off the wheel and go climb in the back seat and have a nap <laughs> and, you can just just and, and just let it go
3: just like uh, well, there goes Saskatchewan. <laughs> that's right.
0: Wake me up at Moose Jaw. <laughs> <laughs> exciting times.
1: They will be, and then th- what we what they really need to do though is they need to build Kit. The car.
3: Yeah. Oh, Knight Rider. Yeah. Knight Rider. yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Let's get it out. If they build an an AI, it needs to have that guy's voice. We need to get that guy. Like I'm sure. Sh- hopefully, he's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> But we need to get that guy and get him to record everything now before he dies. No,
0: I so s- that it's ready. I want a woman's voice.
1: You would.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Ryan, you turn me
2: on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so another thing that I noticed this week, uh, Google Maps has now letting users add wheelchair accessibility details for locations on Google Maps. Um, I guess it was back in December, I, they've, they've, they added a feature where they were, um, they, they had added themselves um, different wheelchair accessibility locations in, in different locations on Google Maps. But I guess the problem that they're running into is I guess the information wasn't all that um, deep or thorough. And there were a lot of holes in it. So what they've actually done now is that they've announced it that, that they're they're essentially crowdsourcing. So anybody can go in and add, you know, the fact that you know this this restaurant has you know, is, is wheelchair accessible, or uh, this office building has you know a wheelchair accessible ramps, stuff like that. Users can now do it, and so hopefully, what we're going to find in the next few months is that. Uh, that information will be a lot more accurate and
0: thorough. Yeah, because we've had stories in the past where you know uh, somebody in a wheelchair had to go all the way around a building because the door he was at wasn't an automated door and he couldn't open it. So you know, being able to input these locations and and, and crowdsourcing it is going to be a huge advantage to Google as well as to the the, the community.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised they kind of didn't do that before. Yeah. I would think that that's that's a huge job to. I mean, I feel bad for the Google Cars <laughs> as it is. Like they got to drive down every road and take a picture and
0: but Google Maps is amazing.
1: Oh my god. No kidding. <clears throat> yeah, I recently I recently went went on a road trip and man without Google Maps, I'd still be lost.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's probably the most accurate one out there. Google Maps, I think
1: yeah and I feel like that it kind of came out of nowhere like like I remember using Google Maps a few years ago and it wasn't really i mean it was kind of useful, but i don't know it wasn't all that impressive to me um but wow have they have they ever improved on it in the past two years it's It's incredible now the the directions that it gives it, flawless
3: well I, I like the whole idea of how they're trying to incorporate um some level of accessibility from the, the user point of view it's um I think mean, it's pretty cool that they're they're allowing that uh, into uh, into Google Maps.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, right down to, you know, even like the, they've got the transit lines down now. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else they, what other functionality can they add into Google Maps to make it any more useful? I don't even know.
3: I, I, don't, know, I don't know if you guys ever watched this show, but do you guys remember Seinfeld? Yep. Did you remember uh, um, George Costanza? He developed an app where it allows you to find the... Uh, Uh, toilets or or washrooms bathrooms (laughs)
1: that's right
3: (laughs) and uh and uh um just imagine like trying to incorporate that in like uh, an accessible washroom
1: that's Uh, you know you make a joke but i mean that would actually be really handy i mean how handy would that be to be like where is where's the nearest public washroom
3: yeah 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 that that'd be cool because uh you know as a blind person uh, i i would know especially because most of this is, is indoors right. unless they really make advancements with indoor technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it'd be kind of cool that, uh, that they kind of have that built in somehow.
0: So somebody get on that. We need to know <laughs> where the could, washrooms are. We don't even know.
1: Like that could be, part, that of could the,
0: be. The part of the accessible. Well, it's interesting because there may already be an app like that out there. I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago. I forget which one, but there's an app that you can actually take with you to the movie theaters, and you can hit a button on your on this app. It time syncs with the movie that's playing, and it'll tell you when the best times are to take a pee break. What? Yep. Really? Are you yep. Serious? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's called Go Pee Pee or Pee Pee Break <laughs> or something. <laughs> and it'll actually tell you, okay, you've got two and a half minutes here where you're not going to miss anything. Go now. Yeah, it's wow. yeah. I forget what it's called. I think it's like Go Pee Pee or something, but.
1: I want to download that because I just recently I went and saw Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets and let me tell you, that whole movie is nothing but a pea break. Just go just go for two and a half hours and then come back. It's
0: a terrible movie. That's what I hear.
1: Yeah, it was bad. All right, you know what? Lastly, let's, let's... I know what we're going to talk about. Okay. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about everybody's favorite company, Apple. And... Oranges? We knew this was coming. The HomePod.
0: That stupid name. Really, you don't like it? I did When I watched the the keynote, it was just like HomePod. <laughs> it's like we got iPod, and like they've got Apple TV, which is a unique name, but HomePod. Come on, be more creative.
1: All right. Well, okay. Well, tell the fine folks at home what the what the hell we're talking about, and what is a HomePod.
0: HomePod is Apple's entry into the digital assistant in your home space. That's right.
1: So again, it's very much like the Google Home, the Amazon Echo. I don't
0: know. There's got to be a couple more even in, in the market. There's some Asian ones out there too, but I forget the names of them.
1: We'll just we'll just leave it at the Google Home and the yep. Amazon Echoes. We they're the two main. Players. microsoft is coming out with something with uh Cortana, the Cortana
0: speaker oh yeah. uh, yeah, that's
3: right speaker right
1: yeah i haven't heard yeah. anything about that they've, they've been pretty quiet about that but
3: they made the announcement too early um because it's coming out i think in the next couple of months but they made it sound like it was just around the corner but um it is uh it's it's there it's, it's just uh, about two months away from it
1: Anyways, we're just gonna assume that everybody know, out there knows what we're talking about when we when we talk about the Google Home and the Amazon Echoes. So and if you don't, you know what? Go back and listen to our uh Google Home uh right. episode. We'll f- it'll fill you in. So in any case What what happened to her?
3: You guys used to have her as uh I an know,
1: yeah, I know. Uh she's she's sitting over there on the table she's looking right sad.
2: <laughs>
3: we do
1: need to have her on again.
0: But
3: Well, All right. it's cool that uh, it's it's in Canada now it is yeah yeah i got the amazon echo but i mean i had to do i had to jump through a bunch of hoops and and everything just to get it to work in canada
0: yeah i had to get my i have an echo dot as well as my google home and i had to get it through ebay because just amazon won't get it here and rumor is from what i understand it's because we have a french language and they need to figure out different languages because it doesn't work like the google home does it's not natural language
3: yeah, it's no longer a rumor. Yeah. <laughs> that's that that's what the hold up was uh, with Google Home because it is actually bilingual. Right. And, and then of course content as well. Uh, because you know we're we're getting a lot of content and a lot of it is, you know, of course uh coming from the states. Um you know, and I don't know if you guys remember like DirecTV and right how they had the the gray satellites and uh they, they made it uh very difficult for you to access uh, American content. That's and, right. Yeah. And the fact that we are, you know, recognized as a bilingual country, it, it, right. it kind of does make sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, in any case, the HomePod. So, and again, you know, we saw this coming a mile away. Uh, we knew it was only a matter of time before Apple, you know, threw their hat into the ring in terms of of getting one of these um, digital assistant devices out. But I have to say, you know, going through the specs and, and doing some reading up on it, really this is this is something this is this is more for music like this is these this is for an auto um you look at some of the the specs um you know it's got it's got a 7 tweeter array um you know it's got an upward facing woofer it's you know they they're they're touting the the fact that it has spatial awareness so that it will um change the the sound based on where you have it in the room. You can have two of these things in one room and they will play off each other and recognize that, that each other is in the room and, and sort of work together to create the best possible sound. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's an amazing speaker. Uh, it's, and from all the reports, uh, the sound is, is just incredible. But at the end of the day, it sounds like that's kind of where they, they put all their eggs. Um in terms of of a digital assistant aspect of this, um, you know, it's using Siri, and, and we all know that Siri is not uh, the greatest in terms of of the digital assistant.
0: Well, I think it's it kind of like the Amazon Echo. They're using Bing for its searches, which you know isn't nearly as good in my in my book as Google Home is using its own Google search engine. Now I'm not an iPhone user, so Nelson, you know, being a Mac user and I think an iPhone user, what is your, um, what are your feelings towards Siri?
3: Uh, earlier this year, there was a, um, there was actually a test conducted by a, a research company, and then, then they were comparing the Google Home to the um, Amazon Echo, to uh, to Siri, and unfortunately, uh, Siri came a uh, distant uh, last. Right, uh, Google Home came in as is the most accurate, and then um, and then Amazon Echo. Um, my experience with Siri is, has never been good. Um, I, I leave uh, text messages to people, and I just never correct it because it actually comes up funnier. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just read the message like that's actually pretty funny. I, <laughs> I like it. Leave that in there, and people like see my messages. Oh, that's Nelson using Siri. Oh, that's <laughs> yes. funny. Uh, it's it's not very accurate. I, I have to admit, it's not very accurate, and it's it's very disappointing because if if they're going to be using Siri and they're not going to be improving it, you're spending what is it, three hundred fifty dollars yeah. U.S. Yes, 350 that's right. U.S. Uh, it's it's obviously going to be tied into you know the Apple universe, and and you know how Apple is that they they don't like to kind of be universal with their product like yeah,
0: nope. uh, like Google
3: Home is and um, the um, Amazon Echo is, so. Uh, I'm a little bit hesitant in, in getting anything that's first gen, but um, like my, I have a house of Sono speakers, so as far as audio quality, um, you know, I th- I think I may end up passing on this uh, product. Yeah. I wish that actually built this in into the Apple TV. They I was just going to say
0: the same thing. Yeah,
3: yeah, they could have technically done done that because uh, the Apple TV remote fourth gen, you can actually use it and speak into the actual remote. Yeah, and it ties into uh, the Home Kit, so you can. Uh, um Do like home if you automation. want to automate your house, home automation, right. you can uh, control that stuff. So, uh, you know, they're kind of jumping on the bandwagon. And, and Apple's kind of known for this where they, they watch what everyone else is doing and then they try to perfect it. Right. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's going to be a wait and see kind of thing. I, the cool thing is that they're, they're having voiceover built into it. So they'll have like some speech uh, feedback. It's running off of a full iOS uh, uh, operating system. Uh, it doesn't seem to have like the uh, the integration with like uh, like the apps and, and skills at this point, but uh,
1: well, no, it's completely locked down.
3: Yeah, yeah. So it's. Uh, but, I, I'm really hesitant in, in I, I don't see myself getting this. To be now, me,
1: to. now, me and Ryan were we're actually talking about this before the show, but you know, in terms of in terms of the voiceover,
0: the screen reader, um, we, we couldn't really hammer out why you would include that. What's it no, read- you don't really need it. Well, yeah. What's it gonna read to you? Like,
3: yeah. I, I have a Sonos speaker, and it gives me the tones, like volume <laughs> up, volume down. It gives me like high, low tone. It gives me like the play, pause, different tones. That's right. Well, it's kind of cool to get like the like the speech, but you know, it, it's it's good to kind of interfere if if you're trying to talk to Siri at the same time as voiceover going off because Siri. Is just going to recognize what voiceover is saying. It's going to take the commands of voiceover. right?
0: Well, and I did a demo for Rob here before we started, too, with my Google Home just to see if it would do it. But I said, you know, OK, Google, what is my volume level? And it told me my volume level was at five. So I don't need a screen reader to be able to pop up and tell me that, you know, the Google Home will already do that. So I don't really understand the need for a screen reader in a Home Assistant.
3: Yeah, I mean, as far as this developer kind of digging into this and in, in kind of seeing what, what's what's in it, uh, there may be some things that uh, we don't know yet that uh, yeah. they'll incorporate. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's possible. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think it would be nice, like you say, to incorporate, maybe it'll be a fifth-gen Apple TV that has this built in because the nice thing with the Apple TV, like you say, is you can be uh, tied into HomeKit as well as, you know, mine's tied into my home theater, so I've got the best audio I have in my house. Yeah. I, I don't need another speaker. You know, I've already got my surround sound system, and I'm happy with that.
3: Yeah, and the thing is you're, you're kind of locked in with with Apple products, and, and, and Apple needs to realize, and they're slowly doing this, uh, uh, opening up their APIs, but, uh, you know, Apple needs to kind of let go a little bit and, and let people customize their, their, their technology because, you know, we're we're seeing with Amazon Echo like they came out of nowhere, yep,
0: um,
1: right?
3: With their AI and their uh, voice assistant, and and then you got Google kind of jumping on and kind of taking over a little bit, and right, um, you know, and we got all the like you said, like there's some Asian countries that are also doing it. Uh, Bixby from Samsung, they're they're coming out with one of those right. uh, uh, those assistants, uh, standalone assistant later this year. So uh, we're, we're we're not going to have a lack of choice. Let's nope. Put it this way.
1: Yeah, that's for and I mean it, it honestly, like it sounds like if, if you're already in the Apple ecosystem, if you you know, if you love Apple products and you don't have a digital assistant and you want a really kick ass speaker and you have three hundred and fifty dollars to blow, th- this is a perfect fit for you.
0: No, I don't I disagree because well, I, you know I, do. You,
1: I mean if 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 you if can music, buy
0: you can buy four Chromecast audios for like thirty five bucks each, put them each in a room and have whole house audio without spending 350 bucks per speaker well
3: yeah that's still get good audio well that's and, and, you, and you might not get the surround sound so uh, you know if you want like a in a home theater sort of setup and unfortunately these things are really just meant for music
0: right and they, they
3: are the hard way with with my sonos system i was trying to incorporate into a home theater system and then you know i'm calling sonos for like tech support because you know the uh uh, the the voice movement on the screen is is lagging behind the, uh, the speakers, and you know I spent enough money on these speakers, I, I don't want that kind of problem. <laughs> and then they told me like, oh, it's it's actually not meant for that. It's it's meant for music.
0: <laughs> well, there's there's other people using Sonos as home theaters. Jonathan Mosin is one of them.
3: Yeah, if uh, if you get the sound bar. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, and then get maybe like the play one uh, speaker, like the the play three, play five. That right. works with the soundbar. Then it works great with the um, the uh, home theater system. But if you don't have the soundbar uh, and you just have the play one, play three, play five, uh, they don't it, it sync up. It doesn't work with uh, with video very well. Oh, okay. Good to know. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I don't know how this is all going to play out. I'm, well, I mean, I, we should also talk about the fact that he's the only the only music subscription service that this is going to work with is of course apple music (laughs) so if you're a spotify user forget it uh which is you know that could be another big downside yeah
3: um well i mean they are letting uh like a pandora are they uh, oh i didn't read in the u.s you can get the the pandora on the in the apple tv so maybe they'll allow that most
1: likely i mean i guess they have a they have a relationship with pandora i guess so
3: yeah, and then the relationship with Amazon is becoming more friendly. Like Amazon is letting people buy Apple TVs uh, on Amazon now, and, and uh, they kind of opened up the, the partnership with Prime. Right. So th- there's that option as well. But uh, I, I still wish they had done it, uh, put it all in the, in the Apple TV.
1: But, you know, it's, it's kind of bizarre to me that they've decided to go this route because really at the end of the day I think that the other thing that's going to uh, really factor in is the price point um 350
3: is is pretty high. Yeah, I paid 50 bucks for my Amazon Echo and I'm happy with it. I I have uh I have Google Home on my Nexus 5. Cost me absolutely nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And it works it's it's you know, I call it a ghetto Google Home. Right. Um <laughs> it's giving me the life that I need. It's it's going working off marshmallow and but it's nice. it's got the full functionality of Google Home. Yeah.
1: So I guess maybe they figure, you know, like, listen, this is for people who don't mind spending $900, $1,000 on a new iPhone. They're going to pick this thing up for 350 I, I don't know. I, like, I don't know who, who they figure the market is. But I think in general and certainly um, in terms of using the device as uh, something, you know, to assist with accessibility in the home, I don't know. I don't think this thing has a future in, in that sense.
3: Yeah, well, Apple's I, always been known for trying to make uh, premium products, so I don't, I don't recall one cheap thing from coming from Apple. <laughs> well, that's no. true too. Yeah. So.
1: But it is interesting that they they seem to have made a big some big noise about about the fact that VoiceOver is is included
3: in it. it I'm actually kind of fascinated because uh, I, I hope it's just not uh, you know volume up, volume down, play, pause sort of feedback. I, mm-hmm. I, I hope it's a lot more than that.
1: Let's hope. Yeah. Um, I mean i we'll have to see now they're saying that these things will be shipping I guess in December, so we gotta yeah. wait a while to wait, but Christmas sh- time yeah, it should be interesting to to see and Ryan, I think you should get one <laughs> <laughs> you got them all.
0: You should get one and then give it to me. No, you should just go get it go go home <sighs> maybe go get one today
3: yeah, it's just it's what one hundred and seventy
0: nine yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. Jeez, I love my Google Home.
3: I know you did, do. Did you guys get the uh, the the update for it? Because it's supposed to be a firmware update for our Bluetooth. Um, oh, is it out
0: now? I
1: don't. It's, know.
3: It's slowly. Uh, um, I don't think it's fully out there, but uh, they have released the firmware update oh, for it. Oh, that's exciting!
0: Oh, I haven't seen an email with that announcement yet. So I love yeah. it. And there's a, a multi-user. Um, yeah, a
3: multi-user s- in Canada now. Yeah, yeah. I yep. saw
0: that in my in my home app. Yeah,
3: so. It is, I would say it is technically the most accurate. And I'm, it is for Canadians. It's it's really, I think, the one to get because you don't have to to do all this crazy stuff that I had to do with the Amazon Echo.
0: Well, even with the Amazon Echo, you know, I typed in manually my address and province and postal code. Yeah. And, you know, if I ask Google or sorry, if I ask the Amazon Echo, where am I? It thinks I'm in Seattle, Washington. It doesn't recognize yeah. Canada at all.
3: No, it doesn't. So Uh, I actually changed my address to um, so that it matches my time zone. So Uh my home address is actually uh, somewhere in Denver. So when I ask you what time it is, (laughs) and you know, I don't have to say like what time is it in Edmonton. I just say, you know, what what time is it? Right. So that's kind of because the default is um, is Seattle, Washington. Yeah. So and and then there's other things. I mean, you can't do uh, uh, purchasing by voice uh, with Alexa yet in Canada. Right. Right. Uh, so, and there are other, some other limitations, but uh, it integrates like very well. I, I have an Ecobee uh, thermostat. Um, the app is not accessible for, for with voiceover, uh, but there's a skill uh, with the Amazon Echo, and uh, it saves me because um, those Ecobee thermostats are like two fifty, uh, sometimes three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it saved me uh, buying another thermostat because the the screen is not accessible, but the skill but- is. Yeah, but the skill is full accessible. You can like uh raise and lower the temperature and it, it basically just saved me the you know the purchase oh, of nice. uh you know getting another thermostat. Yeah, yeah, those skills are amazing. Yeah. And then and they're they're coming out with new skills all the time. So yeah. it's uh I mean I can find my phone. Uh and you could do that with Google too. So Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Well, I guess we'll know more uh soon. I'm I'm sure that they'll be releasing the you, know, you know, they'll be trickling information out as it gets closer to December so we'll have to keep a look on uh, and keep an eye out on that well I I, I
3: may actually get one if I get if I get my hands on it because that's the thing with (laughs) Apple products as soon as you get your hands on it's like oh this is really nice (laughs) (laughs) yeah well I mean they
1: look they make great stuff I mean I'm not gonna lie I mean I'm sure this thing is gonna sound amazing
3: yeah yeah I I I hope it does for that for that kind of price uh, I I, I hope it does because that that it does sound kind of cool
0: Let's hope our dollar goes up so we can at least get it at par. No, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> going to be waiting a while. Yeah. No, I'm just really looking forward to calling on my Google Home.
3: Yeah. You can't do that now?
0: No. Nope, not yet. Not yet. It's supposed to be coming soon. You can do it on the Amazon Echo. Yes. Um, but that's only Echo to Echo. The Google Home is going to actually let you call phones phone and phone, cell yeah. numbers. And, and. I'm looking forward to that.
3: Yeah, that actually would be kind of cool. Mhm. Just say uh is it still just one keyword? Yeah,
0: you got to say OKG okay, or Hey G. Okay. But I think they're working on that as well and and I think I forget what I was listening to again, but they mentioned something about getting rid of trigger words altogether and just having more natural language so I guess it's always always listening. But I guess you'd have to have some way for it to respond to you. You know, at least with the Amazon Echo, you have the A word, right? You know, you have her name.
3: So I switched mine to a uh, computer.
0: Did you?
3: Yeah, similar to like, uh, you know, in Star Trek, you know? Yeah. Like yes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. At least with the A word, you know, it's almost like you're talking to a person. So yeah, I think can, it's the best voice.
3: Yeah. I, I think Alexa is, um, I don't know what, uh, what <laughs> magic that they've implemented, but. Uh, Alexa is a really nice voice.
0: The Google Home has a lot of inflection, though, if you ask it to sing a song or play a game. It's, it's really yes. got a lot of character, so they've done a
1: great yeah. job there.
3: Yeah. yeah, there's more personality with the Google Home. Mm-hmm. I think
1: the, My only complaint is that uh, the word Google is just too hard to say when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard to interact with it. Google. Google!
3: <laughs> so they my, need to work on that. My uh, daughter's three years old, and, um, and uh, we have a cat... Uh, named echo oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I, uh yeah the default is echo right yeah so uh so every time you know we were using the default uh trigger word for it uh you know the cat like the cat knows its name right so and every time we're calling the cat then the, <laughs> you know the uh the amazon device is just going off in itself so like, it's like Maybe we should just change it to computer. (laughs) Yeah, because Amazon is gonna be really confused because they keep uh, hearing me say "go downstairs."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ryan. Rob, where can people find us? Well, before you do that, oh wait, where can people find
3: our guest? Well, okay. Hey, Nelson. Yes, Rob.
1: (laughs) Where can people find you?
3: Well, they 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 can find me at uh, you know I'm online. Um, uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, with my first last name, and uh, they could find uh, cool Blind tech at uh, CoolBlindTech.com. and no, um, check out our podcast, check out our shows, and uh, we're doing articles, and um, and I and just to uh, back up a little bit, uh, uh, Ryan had reached out to us um, a little while ago, so Ryan's actually on one of our shows uh, from a few weeks ago, so uh, you can check yeah. out Ryan there as well, so. Thanks for having me. That was fun. It was, yeah, it was, it was great having you on there. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can
1: people find us?
0: Online at www.atbanter.com.
1: Well delivered, sir. Thank you. <clears throat> they can also email us if they so desire at atbanterpodcast at woo Woohoo.
0: He probably had the written down in front of you. I didn't. <laughs> totally working. <laughs> Totally working blind on that one. Excellent. Well done.
1: Uh they can also find us on Twitter. They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on YouTube. They can. And oh
3: that's cool. You guys got a YouTube channel?
1: Yeah, we do. We we convert all the um all the the episodes and, and throw it up on YouTube. We figure the more the more distribution channels the better. I don't think it gets okay. much traffic, but uh we figure why not.
3: Is is there is it the video or is it just a still uh, screen? Just just this, yeah, it's
1: just it's just audio. It's just a, I just put a, like a, basically a thumbnail of of our logo up
3: as a still image,
0: picture,
1: a too. still
3: picture, and then just okay. Let the podcast play under that. So no one will get the opportunity to see how how much of a handsome gentleman. Hell no. Know. No,
0: if they want to see that, they can go to Instagram. Yes, we are on Instagram. That's true. We are in,
1: on Instagram too, and uh, but no one wants is that to that. Accessible. See our,
3: on uh, Android, Instagram?
0: I That's a good actually removed it months ago just after we signed up, so it's you all
3: Rob's thing. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. Well, you know, you weren't that taking pictures anymore, out. so... I'm
1: taking a picture of you right now. No. no. I'm just kidding.
0: So, yeah, I'm not sure I removed the app because we weren't doing much with it.
3: Okay. Yeah, I had troubles with it on, on iOS.
0: Yeah, it's not something that... it is
1: an experiment. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a failed experiment yet, but... Well, we
0: should go back to Google. That
2: that was a failed experiment. (laughs) Don't even get It It is
0: still around. Yeah. There's still people loving it. Oh, yeah, sure.
3: Instagram is huge. Yeah. Because they have video now. So
1: they can also find us on MySpace. And <laughs> Friendster. And- Friendster. <laughs> hey, those, I think those
3: guys are still around, aren't
1: they? Oh, probably. Right. Visit yeah. our website on Geocities
3: on AOL.com. <laughs> That's you right. You guys have been around. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. I think
0: Rob's probably still got some floppy disks from AOL. That's right.
1: <laughs> um, all right. You know what? That is going to about do it for us. Nelson, thanks so much for stepping in and, and uh, co hosting with us. It was a great time.
3: I, I, had, I had a ball. Uh, you guys make it so easy to come in here as a guest. So I, I really have to thank you guys for, uh, you, know, you know, this is my first time doing this outside of the website. So thank you for the invitation. It, just, uh, it was just uh, amazing just hanging out with you guys.
1: All right, cool. Well, let's do it again. Definitely. All right, that is going to do it for us, everybody. Have a great week, and we will see everybody next week.
3: This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by
2: bensound.com.